but it really comes down to school spirit. It's really a matter of rooting for Fordham, something for you to rally with your community around. Uh, Rose Hill and Lincoln Center are the same school, and I don't think that comes up often enough, so sports is a good way to rally around something. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. Today, Ali Beekman explains the Board of Advisors and what their termination means for Fordham. Then, Alyssa Morales gives us a look inside Wavelengths, Fordham Lincoln Center's new radio station. Finally, Patrick Moquin tells us why football at Fordham is something you should pay attention to. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. I'm joined now by Ali Beekman, who did some reporting on the recent closing of the Board of Advisors. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you worked with Gabe Samandi on this article, right? Yes, I did. So, Ali, I've been with The Observer for quite a while now, and this is actually the very first time that I've heard of the Board of Advisors. What exactly was it? Um, So the Board of Advisors was a group of influential alumni that um, I'm pretty sure it was Father O'Hare put into place in the 80s. Dean Wirtz told me that they were formed when the university like, needed a little bit more support. So they basically helped with like all different things throughout the college. They helped with development. Um, they helped found the ALE BFA program, different things like that, that like make our university what it is. Why do you think it is that this board of advisors was so unknown to the student body? Um, So they did mention to Gabe and I that they really wanted to keep their names kind of secret because a lot of them were like very famous people or connected to famous people and they didn't really want a lot of attention. So they wanted to keep their business on the down low. Do you feel that that secrecy was necessary? I'm not sure it was necessary. I think it did make a lot of the board members feel more comfortable. At least that's how it sounds. Um, Like they didn't even want to include their names in the article when we published it. Also, Father Grimes did mention that if he could do it over again, he did not want the board to be so secret. So that's like two kind of different things. Um, How did your conversation with Dean Wirtz go? What Dean Wirtz told me in our interview was that he wanted to make sure that the board was still like held kind of highly. Actually, I think one of his like direct quotes was that the board was terminated because of its successes. So that was just like, he wanted to make sure that the board still received credit for all that they did. He just wanted to give the new dean a little bit more space in what she had to work with instead of getting these 30 people who already had their ideas about what they wanted for the university. You said that they were terminated because of their successes? Wirtz basically told me that because they had so many goals for the university and they had achieved so much that he didn't want the new dean to be overwhelmed by everything the board had uh, already going. That's what that was his perspective on it. That's what he told me. So that's why he terminated the board. He didn't want the new dean to come in to a group that already had all this opinion, all this success, and be like intimidated by it in a way. Were there other views on why it was closed? I'm not sure if there are other views on why. I do know that the board did not take it the way that Wirtz explained it. Can you go into that? 
Yeah, so uh, Delia Peters, the former chairwoman of the board, actually talked to Gabe and she mentioned that she questioned Wirtz in his authority to terminate this board since they were instated by university president. Um, and it just, she said that the way that it was done seemed disrespectful to them. He sent a, an email to the board that hinted that they were going to have their last meeting last April, but it didn't explicitly say it. So Peters asked him at the meeting, "Are we? is this our last meeting? And he said yes. So it really sounds like it came out of nowhere. Yes. That the board members were not expecting this to happen. Not at all. What was the general feeling about that? So Wirtz said that there were some members who were very happy that it happened, but a lot of others who were angry and he didn't want to, like, he said he didn't want to disregard, like, any of their feelings. I know Peters mentioned that she was just, like, shocked and, like, taken aback by it. So that seems to be the general consensus of how the board members felt. Dean Grimes told Gabe that the board still seemed confused as to what happened in April all these months later, so. So it sounds like this really didn't please that many people. What I'm curious about is what does this all really mean? What does the termination of the Board of Advisors mean going forward? It essentially means that Dean Arukio, as of right now, is not working with this, like, set group of alumni that did bring in a lot of money and, like, did all these great things for the school. She's not working with them directly. She is in the process of speaking to them, reaching out to them, asking them for help, but she doesn't have set times to meet with them as Wirtz and all the five deans before him did. So what then do you think are the ramifications of this? I'm not entirely sure. I know that Dean Riccio does want their help. She's just not sure that this early in her tenure with this like coming out that she should just reinstate the board. There are other things that she wants to consider. She does want to reach out and talk to all of them, but there are a bunch of different things that are going into her decision, it seems like. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm joined now by Alyssa Morales, Retrospect's producer. But today she's joining us as president of LC's new radio station, Wavelengths. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Alyssa, talk to me about why Wavelengths was started to begin with. So about fall semester of my freshman year, I was looking around trying to figure out if there was any opportunity as a freshman to possibly maybe have a work-study job or an internship, and I received no response. And I brushed that aside, and I didn't really think about it for the rest of my first year. But then over the summer, I kind of realized that I have the opportunity to try and start a radio station here at Lincoln Center because there isn't any here. And so I post on Instagram asking if anyone was interested and I received an overwhelming response. And so I found my VP Duncan Taylor, who is also a fellow sophomore here at uh, Lincoln Center. And we decided to work together for this club and we started to, you know, look more into USG and to see what's the process in becoming a club. I was able to find a, an advisor and I was able to figure out my e-board. And, you know, I submitted to USG. I emailed them early in August asking them to, you know, 
to revise my constitution and to give it back to me so we can continue with the steps as the school year began, but I received no response and I emailed them more and still to no avail. I kept finding other people to talk to, yet I received dead ends. So um, we decided to just do it ourselves. And so we started our test runs, which which are every Sunday from eight to nine. What we do is that we have each person in our e-board pick three or four songs to play for the hour. We have our own test run just to smooth out all the all the technical stuff and just the, the ebb and flow of starting our own radio station. It also sounds like you've had some issues with USG. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so I've contacted USG probably around three or four times already and I've had countless meetings with student affairs and going back and forth between um, USG members to no avail. Uh, at this point, it is extremely frustrating because we as a club, we have everything together. It's just all in the matter of USG. So it's just, it's really frustrating, especially since we all want this very badly. And the public, the public, the students uh, are really, really interested and we have faculty behind us. So it's just like, why, why isn't this going as fast as we want it to be? So let's talk about the club itself. Talk to me about the sort of daily operation of Wavelengths. What's that like? So what we do is we figure out what we want to play for the week. Um, Last week we just did our first themed um, test run. It was childhoods. So we picked songs that were very important to our childhood or something that we listen to a lot. Um, what we would do is we would add three or four songs on a collaborative playlist on Spotify, and then we would reorder them in, an, in a way that flows. And then after that, we just meet up on Sundays at my, in my apartment in McMahon, and we, we go live. It's very, very DIY. We're in our apartment, just sitting down, hanging out, listening to music. So that's, that's how it usually goes. How would a student from Lincoln Center go about listening to Wavelengths? So we have a, an account on Live365. It is in our bio on our Instagram at Wavelengths at Lincoln Center. And you can tune in every Sunday from 8 to 9 p.m. Well, thank you for joining us, Alyssa. Thanks for having me. I'm joined now by Patrick Moquin, Assistant Sports and Health Editor for The Observer. Thank you for joining us. Good to be here, Kevin. And thanks for coming, Pat. I know that you're feeling a little sick right now. Uh, Nothing could hold me back from discussing football in retrospect. (laughs) Well, let's get started with why should Lincoln Center kids care about football? Uh, It's really a matter of school spirit, Kevin. Uh, I'm aware that my audience in articles, in addition to just general sports audiences, are interested by football or any other sport, really, at, at Lincoln Center. But it really comes down to school spirit. It's really a matter of rooting for Fordham, something for you to rally with your community around. Uh, Rose Hill and Lincoln Center are the same school, and I don't think that comes up often enough. So sports is a good way to rally around something. So you're saying that it's a great way to sort of invigorate and implement school spirit on a campus that often feels like it lacks that. Absolutely. Uh, schools, a lack of school spirit is almost a selling point at this point for Fordham <laughs> University. Uh, so 
I think sports is a great way for uh, that to change, perhaps. Let's go over how football Fordham works. How exactly does it compare to other schools? Football uh, sure. Um, so Fordham is obviously a below-average uh, football program. That's not me um, speaking uh, derogatorily. That's just me speaking straightforward. That's, that's the way it is. They are in a uh, below-average conference. They're in the Patriot League. And in that conference, they have not succeeded in recent years. Uh, last season, Fordham finished sixth out of seven in the Patriot League with a two and four conference record. Uh, I believe they used to be in the Atlantic 10, but they've changed the Patriot League for football. The rest of our sports are in the Atlantic 10. Generally speaking, we don't do that good. Uh, t- traditionally, no. At one point, we had a player, uh, Chase Edmonds. Uh, he is actually featured in, we actually interviewed him recently. He plays uh, in the NFL now. He plays for the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, at that point, Fordham was uh, competent. But since then, they've fallen off significantly. Uh, this year, actually, they've improved. But uh, in recent years now, they have not been up to par. So you are saying that we're actually doing better this year? Absolutely, we're doing better this year, at least in the conference. Uh, we've, uh, bid, we've defeated Georgetown, which is a uh, longstanding rivalry. We defeated them 30-27. to 27. And then we lost a very close game in overtime to Lehigh, 30-27, to 27, the same score. Even someone like me, who's not very well-versed in football, understands the significance of going up against Georgetown which on a lot of different levels, academically and in terms of sports, are sort of seen as Fordham's rival, especially since it's a Jesuit school. Even I understood the significance of that. How would you describe where we are now against Georgetown? Well, of course, uh, Georgetown is first and foremost historically a basketball school. Uh, Patrick Ewing comes to mind as a star basketball player. Their football program has never been as prestigious. Uh, but to go head-to-head with Georgetown isn't something we normally do. Uh, they are very much in the Patriot League with us. They're a below-average football team. Uh, but the fact remains that us going head-to-head with them is big news, at least uh, across the conference. So the fact that we beat them on this outing is actually also a sort of tremendous thing. It's a testament to recent improvement, yes. It's not necessarily a huge event. A huge event would be us beating someone uh, like Ball State, who we lost to, or Yale, an Ivy League member, Uh a, a team in an above-average conference that perhaps we would have had trouble with. We're still having trouble with those teams, but we're competing with our rivals now, which is news. Well, let's talk about how we won against Georgetown, but we lost against Lehigh recently. Now, yes. I understand it was a close loss, so what does that mean for us going forward? Uh, it means for us going forward, uh, we're actually in a very good spot. It's a lot better than we were, we were last year. Uh, we are 1-1 one one right now. Our um, point differential is 0. We won by 3, and then we lost by 3. So our point differential is literally 0 right now. Lehigh is apparently much improved from where they've been. Uh, last year they were um, in the same realm as us. This year they're supposed to be better. Uh, to go head-to-head with these teams shows that we are in a good spot as the season rolls on. We have four games remaining on the schedule uh, for conference play. Uh, we play Lafayette, uh, Colgate, who has historically been a better team. I'm not exactly sure where they stand this year, but they've been very good in past years. Uh, Holy Cross, which is our big rivalry. I believe it's called the Iron Legion game. It's right. a, uh, it's our big historic rivalry. Rams and then vs. We, Crusaders. Yes, Rams vs. Crusaders, you got it. And then we play Bucknell to close the season, at least the week to close uh, conference play for the regular season. Yeah. How are we looking coming up to Lafayette and afterward? Uh, coming up to Lafayette and afterwards, these are all Patriot League rivals, so all of these games will mean a little bit more than the games we've played um, in non-conference. Those games against Ball State, those games against Yale, even those games against Bryant, uh, those games don't really count as much as the games coming up. Uh, Lafayette has five games left as well against conference rivals, so all of these teams are going to play one another, 
and that's really when this where uh, our standing is going to improve in the conference. Let's talk about how one goes about winning the Patriot League. Of course, uh, to win the Patriot League, obviously you have to have the uh, highest record. Last year, I believe Colgate went undefeated, and uh, they uh, what you do from there is you go on to face a superior rival. So I believe Colgate ended their year last year against Army, who was a ranked opponent, which is uh, the ranking in college football is the top 25 teams. And uh, it's a prestigious honor that uh, someone in the Patriot League doesn't often have. And more so, uh, Patriot League opponents don't usually have the opportunity to play ranked opponents at all. So a team like Colgate would have that opportunity when they when they demonstrated superiority over their Patriot League opponents. So what are Fordham's chances right now of making it to that place? Uh, they're currently 1-1. One one. Uh, a loss is obviously um, uh, difficult. And both of their victories were, their victory and their loss, sorry, were close. So uh, I would say that they're competitive in their own league, but I don't see them advancing too much farther than that at this point. They'd have to improve, they'd have to improve somewhat on what they've already done. So we're making steps, but you don't think we're quite there yet? Definitely making steps. Um, our quarterback, Tim DeMora, is a, uh, is a, currently a sophomore. Our star running back, Zach Davis, uh, possibly one of the most efficient runners in the Patriot League, is a junior, so there's definitely room for us to step forward in future seasons, and I think this is a great step to do that. For someone at Lincoln Center who obviously is sort of isolated from sports and maybe doesn't know much about it, but who might be interested in getting more involved with sports, what do you think they should do? Uh, it's really not that hard. It's a Ram Van ticket uh, to go to a football game. And this is an issue at Rose Hill, too. This is a really a, um, a problem across both campuses, I would say. Uh, I think uh, attendance isn't that hard. That's how you become involved in sports. The easiest way to become involved in sports is to attend a game, especially for people that are just in it for school spirit. Uh, if you're playing f fantasy football, for instance, if you're a sports nut, there is research that goes into it. There's reading about it. If you just want to become involved in sports uh, as a form of school spirit, all you have to do is attend a game. Uh, all it takes for a Ford and Lincoln Center student to involve themselves in Ford and sports is to pay for a $7 round-trip Rand Ben ticket. Uh, is there anything else you'd, you'd like to add? or No, I think uh, that encapsulates uh, our season thus far. I think there's something to be interested in. There's definitely a reason to watch. Uh, one of my articles, I, uh, I covered the game against Bryant, and I said that the Fordham football program is exciting and satisfying to watch this year, which is something they couldn't have said in past years. So there's definitely interest. Well, Pat, thank you so much for coming on. Happy to be here. This has been Retrospect. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. We'll see you next time.